Welcome to the Almighty God and Gospel Girl podcast. Each week, you'll hear testimonies that turned failures into hope, despair into inspiration, and darkness into light, as well as actionable tips and strategies that you can implement in your daily life to overcome obstacles that can detour our Christian walk. Galatians 6.2 tells us to carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now here's your host, the Gospel Girl, Tammy Becker. What is baptism? And what does this ceremony represent? What is Peter's command to repent and let every one of you be baptized mean? And why is it still relevant today? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. So welcome to the Almighty God and Gospel Girl podcast as we continue on in our series of what God wants for you. And in our last three episodes, if you've missed them, we talked about God wanting to have a relationship with him and he has given us the ultimate sacrifice of his son to make that possible. He's invited us to come to him and show us how to respond. And we have explored all the scriptures about faith and belief. And then we talked about repentance last week and how they all help remove the obstacles that can inhibit our relationship with God. So now today we're going to talk about more like into the next step now that if you've repented of your sins, what is the next step and where does the Bible lead us and what are we supposed to do? We're going to examine, you know, a specific ceremony, if you will, of what God established as the great meaning for his followers, which is called baptism. So that's what we're talking about today, friends. And let's go ahead and get started in why should we be baptized? Well, like I opened up with, you know, what is baptism and what does the ceremony really represent? Peter's command in the Bible says, repent, which we talked about last week, and then let every one of you be baptized. And then so my question was to you, is it still relevant today? One of the most probably dramatic stories of conversion and baptism in the Bible is the story of the Philippian jailer. God sent Paul and Silas to the city of Philippi, where Lydia and the other members of her household, uh, were. they were already converted and baptized. But Paul had a run-in with some of the men who were making money off like a slave girl and who they were having her tell fortunes. So when Paul commanded the demon to come out of the girl, The men realized that like their hope, you know, they wanted to all become wealthy. And then so their hopes of wealth were now being shattered. And so they uh, grabbed Paul and Silas and they dragged them before the authorities. And so like that's over in, um, if you want to look it up, that's in Acts chapter 16, verse 19. So what happened was as a riot ensued and Paul and Silas were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. 
So the jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't leave and that they didn't escape and no matter what happened. So he had to stay there 24-7 and he took no chances, but he put them in the inner dungeon. He clamped their feet in the stocks. So this is what the Bible tells us. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. Now suddenly there was a great earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors. They were wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, don't do it. We are all here. Trembling with fear, the jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with your entire household. Then they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in his household. That same hour, the jailer washed their wounds and he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Now you can read that story over in Acts chapter 16, verses 23 to 34. That is an amazing story because Paul and Silas didn't leave, number one. They knew that that jailer had a job to do. His job was there to watch him. And when all of that happened, he was in fear. He's like, well, I'm going to be killed. He was in fear because he thought the prisoners escaped. But Paul and Silas stayed. They said, we're still here. We're still here. He saw the mighty power of God and he believed and immediately wanted to be saved. He repented of his sins like we talked about last time and then he was baptized and so then he's going to have that eternal life. You know, I was baptized. I was saved as a very young child. I still remember and I was baptized. But I did end up getting baptized again as an adult because as a child in my own personal feelings about being baptized as a child, I knew I was saved. I mean, I've always known I was God's child, but as there was, I felt like when I was older and of course I swayed here and there and didn't always walk the life I should have and strayed away from God. My walk was not what it should have been. But when I did make it back, I realized that I needed to understand as an adult what that meant. I needed to understand that, yes, I had already accepted Jesus and I repented of my sins and I repented of the way that I'd been leading my life, even though I knew Jesus, but I wanted to be baptized. I wanted that renewal. I wanted to understand that as an adult and not as a child. And so I chose to do that as an adult. And that was my personal choice. I'm not saying any of you have to do that, but the Bible does talk about as a profession of faith. That's what baptism is, showing your profession of faith in your love and that you are getting rid of the old and coming in with the new and that you're allowing the Holy Spirit to come into your life. And by being baptized, you're washing away the old and getting rid of the sin and you're allowing the Holy Spirit to wash you clean and come into your life and showing others that you're putting on a new body, a new way of living. So 
let's talk about then what does the Bible say about baptism? Well, water baptism, it's mentioned throughout the New Testament, and it was the ceremony that marked the beginning of a Christian life for converts in the New Testament church, so to say. Yet some people today consider it outdated and unnecessary. So let's take a closer look and then let's actually look at scripture and what the scripture says in the picture is of baptism. So uh, if you want to write this down over in Colossians chapter 2 verses 12 through 13, it says, you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead, and you being dead in the trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. And then here's another one you can write down, Romans chapter 6, verses 3 to 6, and then also verse 11. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, just like as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And one more in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So you see, through immersion in water, Christians rehearse the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. This symbolically pictures the death of our old, like I said before, our old sinful self, and it helps to remind us of Jesus's willingness to give up his life, to come to earth knowing he was going to have to die so that we could be forgiven, that he was going to be raised up to life. Christians come out of the water, committed to walk in a newness of life, Romans 6, 4, through Christ living in us and giving us spiritual help through the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about that in our next lesson, by the way. We'll be talking about the Holy Spirit because once baptism, then the Holy Spirit comes in. And so hang on for the next lesson on that one. <laughs> so how was baptism? Maybe you're asking, how was baptism symbolized by the flood? If you want to write this down, First Peter chapter 3, verse 20 to 21, who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved 
through water. There is also an antitype that which now saves us, baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of good conscience towards God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then over in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, by faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Noah believed God. Now he committed himself to obey him and God saved Noah from the waters of death. And Peter explained this as an antitype of baptism that symbolizes cleaning us on the inside. So many connections all through the Bible. Everything connects. Everything connects. How about, how let's connect this. How did crossing the Red Sea picture baptism. If you go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 1 to 2, moreover brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And then in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 29, by faith, They passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. Moses and the Israelites believed, they believed, they believed, they believed, and obeyed. They obeyed, they obeyed, they obeyed God by passing through that sea. And they were saved from Egypt, which is symbolic of sin. Hebrews eleven twenty five. So the whole story of crossing the Red Sea is told in Exodus 14. And that is so symbolic to baptism. Remember we talked about at the very end about John the Baptist. So what was John the baptism called? So over in Mark chapter 1 verses 4 to 5, it says John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John came to prepare the way for our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we find that in Matthew 3, verses 1 to 3. Jesus' death would pay for the sins of those who repented, which we talked about last week as we covered last week's podcast. So Jesus Christ did not need to repent, but he still set us an example by being baptized. And you can look all that up over in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17, or in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. So Jesus set an example for us of what we should do. Let's dig a little deeper. How was John baptizing Jesus Christ different, brought different, you know, from John's? 
Like if we look over in Matthew chapter 3 verses 11 to 12, it says, I, which was John the Baptist talking, indeed baptize you with the water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now remember that. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit because we're going to talk about that next week. His winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. And in Acts chapter 19 verses 2 to 6, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit? When you believed, so they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Jesus Christ. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and they prophesied. That's important. John the Baptist taught the need for repentance. Okay, we have to repent of our sins. But the gift... Of the Holy Spirit was not yet available because we had to wait for Jesus to come and be crucified and resurrected because he had to be the ultimate sacrifice for our sins so there'd be no more sacrifices in the world. He was the ultimate sacrifice, the final sacrifice to take away all of our sins. And then this would allow, once we repented of our sins and we believed that Jesus came and died for our sins and we were baptized, that we would receive this beautiful gift of the Holy Spirit given through the laying of hands after the baptism. And again, we're going to talk about that next lesson. But so what is the baptism of the fire that John the Baptist <laughs> mentioned in Matthew chapter 3 verses 11 to 12? Well, John, he was making a contrast between a good result of accepting Jesus and receiving the Holy Spirit and a bad result of totally rejecting Jesus and his sacrifice. Speaking of what you may know or you may not know, but you can find it in Revelation chapter 20 verses 15 and then in chapter 21 verse 8 called the lake of fire. And that's just, uh, we'll probably, maybe I'll touch on that after this series is done. We'll go in, I'll do a podcast on the Lake of Fire so that you know a little bit more about it, like a side podcast. But we'll get through this series first because that's where God instructed me to go. So you don't want to totally reject Jesus because, friends, as you've listened to me for a while, you know that... Eternity in the lake of fire is a very sad, daunting 
place where people moan and cry and beg to get out of, and it's too late. It's just too late. So don't make the choice of having it too late. Make the choice now. Follow Jesus. Share the gospel because we don't want our friends and our family and anyone else left behind. How about did Jesus Christ and the New Testament church teach baptism and immersion in the water? Well, over in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 to 20, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Then again in Acts chapter 2 verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of of the Holy Spirit. And once again in Acts chapter 8 verse 12, but when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. So you see baptism, baptized, related words are used over a hundred times in the New Testament alone. And the Greek word baptizo means to immerse or to make fully wet. It doesn't say sprinkle, doesn't say drop, but it says immerse or make fully wet. So to symbolize burial, Christian baptism involved putting the person completely underwater. Coming up out of the water symbolizes a resurrection to a new life in Christ. And there is no command to stop baptizing or any indication that the New Testament church should abandon this meaningful ceremony whatsoever. So maybe now you might be asking what you should do. What should you do before making this most important lifelong commitment? Well, you can always write this down. Check out Luke chapter 14, verse 27 to 30. It says, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid down the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Counting the cost of this lifetime commitment requires maturity. I've talked about Christian maturity over and over and over in my podcasts. And I encourage you to go back and listen to a lot of my podcasts. It doesn't like give us examples of like infants and children being baptized. So that's kind of what I was talking about when I shared my story is that when I became an adult and I realized and I understood that I kind of had strayed away after You know, I knew I was a Christian, but I knew I kind of strayed away and I came back to my Lord and Father the way I should have. And I wanted to, as an adult, because I understood what baptism meant and I wanted to follow with that baptism as an adult because I truly understand what it meant. So something you might want to pray about if you were baptized as a child and or sprinkled or something like that. Something you want to take up with the Father, you want to pray about and talk to Him about it, and maybe you consider 
getting yourself baptized as an adult. If you haven't, maybe you want to rededicate your life to the Lord and maybe you've fallen away. Maybe just things really weren't right all the way around. But whatever you do, just know this. The steps are this simple. All you have to know is that and believe that Jesus came to earth as a man. God sent his son. He became flesh. He died on the cross, the ultimate sacrifice for our sins and rose again three days later. So our sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice for our sins, so all we have to do is believe that he did that. Ask and repent of our sins. Be baptized in the name of Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit, which once again we're going to talk about next week. So you might want to consider doing that. So if you're being convicted of the need for baptism, like I talked about, maybe you were done as a child and what are you thinking and what do you need to do? Well, there's there's a couple more scriptures I can give you. Number one, you want to write this down. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. It says, Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Pretty basically what I just said, right? Straight from the Bible. I'm a Biblicist. <laughs> so I don't go by any religion. I'm just a Biblicist. I believe in the Bible and I believe what God puts in my heart and d- gives me the discernment of what is in the Bible. And that's where my belief is, is in my Father. Acts chapter 8, verse 36 to 38. It says, Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is the water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. You know, the Bible gives only two conditions for baptism, sincere, heartfelt repentance and belief. Some feel they must wait like a long time to become good enough to be baptized. But biblically speaking, examples show that people can be baptized without being Bible scholars. And you do not have to be a perfect person before being baptized. Actually, there's no way to be like spiritually perfect. There's no way to be humanly perfect at all. So before receiving God's Holy Spirit. So since it's the spirit that enables us to grow towards spiritual, I can't even really say perfection, but towards our spiritual maturity is what I'll say. Baptism kind of marks the end of the old life and the old sin and the beginning of the newfound one that focuses on God. So I'm going to leave you with this. If you need some personal counseling about being baptized, find your local church or if you have a local church or whatnot. If you have no one and you need to talk to someone about accepting Jesus, about repentance of sin, about being baptized, if you need materials to study, please get a hold of me. Get a pen and a paper. Here's my email. It's Y-O-U, the number seven, ministries at gmail.com. That's Y-O-U, seven, ministries at gmail.com. U7ministries at gmail.com.
You can also reach me on my website. There's places there you can get hold of me. And that's youministries.com, youministries.com. But please get a hold of someone. If you have questions, if you want to leave, I'll leave my information in the description so that you can get a hold of us because we don't want to leave you hanging because these are some very serious lessons we're going over on the podcast. And I don't want you to listen and go, wow, I don't know what to do now because I can get you the information. And if I don't have it, I will get it. I will research it. I will find it. I will pray about it to the Lord. One way or another, I will get you what you need. I don't want you to go without not knowing our Lord or not being baptized or not. If you need someone to help you to repent of your sins or to say, what we call us old Christians <laughs> call the sinner's prayer. It's like, you know, we're all humans. So every day I'm like, forgive me of my sins, Lord, because I probably sin and don't even know half of what I do. And we're just human. We're just human. But you know, our father is so good. He loves us so much and he loves each and every one of us. And you know, it's just beautiful to know that it doesn't matter like this world is turned upside down it's a mess out there but we have something to look forward to friends we have something to look forward to eternal life with bodies that are going to be perfect we're not going to be in any pain there's not going to be any sorrow there's not going to be any tears and we're going to live in peace and harmony in beauty for eternity. This is just a fleeting moment right now. So we need to get everything in order. And to get things in order, you got to believe in Jesus Christ. You got to repent of your sins. You got to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you got to spread his word and do God's work and get everybody, get all our brothers and sisters to heaven. Urgency, urgency, urgency. I love you guys. I really do. I really do. That is it for this week. And we are going to be talking about the Holy Spirit next week. Another great lesson for you guys. On the Almighty God and Gospel Girl podcast, we thank you so much, the Lord and I, for joining us. Hope you found some value today. This is Tammy Becker. I'll see you next week. God bless. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to another weekly episode of the Almighty God and Gospel Girl podcast. If you have a testimony you would like to share with us, please contact us through our website at youministries.com. That's Y-O-U-Ministries.com. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace.